for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. Once Bitten, Twice Shy by Barbara Smith Just coming into the Christmas season, this lyric phrase expression, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, is continually popping up in the song Last Christmas, written by George Michael and Wham, released in 1984. It goes like this, Last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. This year... To save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Once bitten and twice shy, I keep my distance, but you still caught my eye. Tell me, baby, do you recognize me? Well, it's been a year. It doesn't surprise me. Merry Christmas. I wrapped it up and sent it with a note saying, I love you. I meant it. Now I know what a fool I've been, but if you kiss me now, I know you'd fool me again. A crowded room, friends with tired eyes. I'm hiding from you and your soul of eyes. I thought you were someone to rely on. Me? I guess I was a shoulder to cry on. A face on a lover with the fire in his heart. A man undercover, but you tore me apart. Now I've found a real love. You'll never fool me again. Last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. So long. In the song, the person who was given his heart re-gifted it the next day. Therefore, he does not want to make the same mistake twice. He used to be so confident and trusting until he was betrayed. He states that he is going to give his heart to someone special this time, which he probably thought he was doing the first time. He is hurt and sad, ashamed, and he is having regrets, a loss of trust in her and in the institution of love itself. The expression once bitten, twice shy, is first attributed to Asaph, though the actual phrase does not crop up in his work until a later time. In the moral of the story, The Dog and the Wolf, this is one of about 725 short stories written in the late 6th century by Asaph, who was a former Greek slave who was sharing meaningful morals that he had learned from life. His fables were first handed down by word of mouth. A fable means a story from the Latin word fabula. The story about the dog and the wolf goes like this. The dog was lying in the sun before a farmyard gate where a wolf pounced upon him and was just going to eat him up. But he begged for his life and said, You see how thin I am, and what a wretched meal I should make for you now. But if you will only wait a few days, 
My master is going to give a feast. All the rich scraps and pickings will fall to me, and I shall get nice and fat. Then that will be the time you can eat me. The wolf thought this was a very good plan and went away. Sometime afterward, he came to the farmyard again and found the dog lying out of reach on the stable roof. Come down, he called, and be eaten. You remember our agreement? But the dog said coolly, My friend, if ever you caught me lying down by the gate there again, don't you wait for any feast. Once bitten, twice shy. In other words, don't fall for the same line twice. This attribute, however, is a human trait and far from how God thinks or acts towards humanity. We all want a second chance when we make mistakes, but we rarely want to afford others the same courtesy. But not God. His ways are much different than ours and past finding out. Romans 11.33 tells us, O oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out! Though He hung the sun, moon, and stars in space, he can see the beginning from the end and everything in between. He chooses still to forget his math skills and equations when it comes to our mistakes and sins, with no questions ever asked about the occurrence again. Psalms 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. In Isaiah 43, verse 25, God tells us, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. And in Hebrews 8, 12, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. There are two expressions that apply here. The first is of French origin being, Carte blanc, meaning blank document. The most popular use of this term in English is when someone gives you a blank signed check. You can fill in any amount that your heart desires. Another translation of this would be full reign. The check that will be received is available to us, already authorized by the name of Jesus Christ. Our decision now is whether we will use it, and if so, how much will we avail ourselves of? Are we just sorry we got caught in wrongdoing, and we'll just use it as a one-time get-out-of-jail-free card? Or do we want a full lifetime dowry for the forgiveness of our sins? This decision should not be taken lightly because it was purchased with blood. Acts 20 verse 28 admonishes, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Hebrews 9, 12 through 14 states, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The second expression is from the Latin words tabula rasa, meaning clean slate. 
Before the invention of paper, people wrote on whatever they found in nature and around them, including stones, bamboo, papyrus, and more, depending on where you were in the world. A clean slate indicates that there is nothing written on your tablet or whatever method of communication you are using. There are no pre-existing predeterminations, expectations, or preconceived notions already recorded that would affect the meaning or perception of what you are subsequently going to write. There is no recorded history found. When we are washed in the blood of the Lamb, aka born again, we receive a clean slate to begin writing our new story on. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is true not only because through the new birth we become childlike once again, being able to start afresh from scratch, but it also takes us back to the state of humanity before sin entered the world. The very nature of sin that we were born with is wiped clean. We are given a completely, utterly brand new, right off the conveyor belt, never released before, clean slate. Thus, when repenting before God and receiving His forgiveness, we receive His justification, the erasing and expunging of our past deeds of commission and omission. This is absolute, pure love and the amazing magnitude that is God. There are scriptures upon scriptures admonishing us to be Christ-like. Let us look at just a few. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3:14 through 15 states, I press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Romans 8, 6 tells us, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Philippians 2.20-22 says, And ye are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, growing unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19-20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. We see here these things, such as, Be Christ-like, let this mind be in you, be perfect, grow in grace, and mature spiritually. Yet, when it comes to really fulfilling these mandates, we want to stop short, pick and choose the things that we want to do or not do in this endeavor of walking in the Spirit. Having compassion as Christ did for the poor, oh, that sounds very noble. Having a meek and quiet spirit, 
This one sounds like something that would please God. Giving of our tithes and offerings. Now this is for sure something that seems very reasonable and beneficial to the kingdom of God, the church, and others. Loving our neighbor as ourselves by not coveting what they have and by helping them out of a jam every now and then. Well, this sounds like the words of Jesus in the Gospels. Visiting the sick in the hospitals or the shut-ins at the nursing homes, or getting involved in prison ministries. These sound like they would win some Christ-like points. Teaching and preaching the gospel, a.k.a. the good news, is a commandment that we know Jesus took very seriously and is very weighty when it comes to forwarding the cause of the church. Therefore, we want to be involved in that one for sure. Then the subject of forgiveness comes up. Did you just hear the sound of screeching brakes? This is one of those we often choose not to participate in. This is not a spoken refusal, but here are some of the subconscious excuses we give as to why we could never forgive. Oh, I'm not God, so I can't forgive. Or, oh, I can forgive, but I can't or won't forget. Or, I'll forgive, but I'll never trust them again. Or, they don't deserve it. They never learn their lesson. Or, they refuse to forgive me, so forget it. I'm not forgiving them. With these five thoughts or excuses, there were about five more nails driven into Jesus' hands and feet in just a matter of seconds. Why, you might ask? Because we are in essence saying that what He did for us and offered us the first time was not sufficient to help us forgive. However, when we ask His forgiveness, He gives us the carte blanche the tabula rasa. Now, before anyone becomes indignant, offended, arrogant, or begins to huff and puff, let us examine the scriptures as to better show you what I'm trying to convey. There is one thing that can affect your life dowry of forgiveness, your clean slate, as it were. Jesus said in Mark 11:25, And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And he made an even more direct statement than this in Matthew 6:15, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Here we see that we hold the power of our own forgiveness in our own hands. It is directly contingent upon whether we forgive others or not. It does not matter how small or great the offense or the one who offended, whether they are a close acquaintance, friend, family member, or stranger. It is also not of any significance whether they know they wronged us or not. We must forgive all. And the rest of the story is, we must forget all. This is part and parcel of forgiving, as we saw in the first scriptures we read of the example God gave us of forgiveness. If we hold a grudge, we have not forgiven. The dictionary definition of grudge is a persistent feeling of ill will or resentment resulting from a past insult or injury. Antonyms of grudge are friendship love, kindness, goodwill, and forgiveness. These words sound more like the attributes of Jesus rather than the former. If you bring these things up again and again from the past, you have not forgotten or in fact not forgiven. 
The definition of forgiveness, according to the dictionary, is pardon, absolution, exoneration, remission, dispensation, equitable, mercy, and lenience. Requiring penance is not forgiveness either. The definition of penance is a voluntary self-imposed or an imposed punishment inflicted as an outward expression of repentance or payment for having done wrong. Abasement, mortification outwardly, a price to pay for an offense, penalty, repartation, or amends. Antonyms are absolution, remorse, contrition, repentance and forgiveness in luke seventeen one through four jesus said unto his disciples it is impossible but offences will come but woe unto them through whom they come it would be better for him that a millstone was hung around his neck and he cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him and if he repents forgive him and if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn around again to thee saying i repent then thou shalt forgive him there may be those reading this who have already tuned me out because it is a hard subject to discuss and to abide by however it is shown throughout scripture if we are completely honest with ourselves we often pick and choose the scriptures we want to embrace for instance let us continue and look at matthew eighteen eighteen through twenty where jesus is speaking verily i say unto you whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven again i say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name there am i in the midst of them what a powerful invigorating and uplifting word of the lord we are very familiar with these passages and we could read them daily and remain in a constant victorious state of mind however in the very next verse peter broaches our sobering subject forgiveness verse twenty one through thirty five of the same chapter reads then came peter to him and said lord how oft shall my brother sin against me and i forgive him till seven times Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king that would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him who owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest and his fellow-servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying have patience with me and i will pay thee all and he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt so when his fellow-servants saw what was done they were very sorry and came and told unto their lord all that was done 
Then his Lord, after they had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that did. Behold, thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion upon thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrath, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Jesus gave Peter a seemingly ridiculous equation. Let us not limit forgiveness to just seven times a day, but I say seventy times seven. This is 490 times, if anyone is as bad with math as I am. I cheated and used a calculator. This is 20.4 times each hour of the day, almost three times per minute. The point is, of course, you get the point. We must give others a tabula rasa, just as Jesus has given us, even as Stephen did while at death's door in Acts 7:59 through 60 It tells us, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This concept did not originate with Stephen, however. He had become Christ-like. He had taken this example from Jesus. Luke twenty-three thirty-three through 34 states, And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified him, and the malefactors on the right side, and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. At times we hold a grudge for so long that we forget why we were mad in the first place. The other party may not even be privy to the fact that they offended us or think we have moved on years ago. They could have, in fact, already have passed away, and we continue to hold on to bitterness and allow it to fester in our lives to where it spoils everything that is good around us. We become trapped in a prison of our own making. We have the ability to free ourselves with the carte blanche that Jesus has offered us through his shed blood. Do not try to require penance from others. There is nothing they can do that can change your heart. This is only within our grasp alone, not theirs. We in turn cannot pay enough, pray enough, or work hard enough to make up for our sins and wrongdoings toward God or others. Where would we be today? If Jesus, instead of saying, Father, forgive them, while he was on the cross, would have said, once bitten, twice shy, we would have been given up to the tormentors, as the evil servant was, until we could pay off our debt. However, we now have the choice to forgive others their trespasses against us, so that we can thereby receive our lifetime dowry of forgiveness from the Lord also. The beautiful old hymn written by John T. Crate and John T. Barsh says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Let our New Year's resolution be today and every day to give others the gift of forgiveness. 
This is kind of like the coffee lover giving their spouse, who never drinks coffee, a beautiful, new, shiny, state-of-the-art, top-of-the-line coffee maker for your anniversary. Who is the gift really for? Who will benefit from it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You, of course. That is what true forgiveness is. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.